Andrew. Man, I don't know what my problem is. <laughs> Good God, Aaron. Good God. <laughs> I'm Paul. This is Wayne. I'm Andrew. And speaking of being forgetful, come on, Aaron. I know. I'm so, you know, I, I I think it's just Aaron's only used to three. Three's company, four's a crowd. Man. There is three of us. No, yeah. no, there's four. <laughs> <laughs> Math is hard. Wow. Damn. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not firing on all cylinders this morning, apparently. Hey, you <laughs> know, I've only had two cups of coffee. And neither have had alcohol. And that's correct. Neither have had bourbon in them. Huh, See, that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm I'm wide awake because I was entertained watching Paul's videos this. Week. Yes, like and subscribe. <laughs> now, is, is, are those the Patreon only uh, are only fans videos, or are those his uh, IMO geek videos? This is his IMO geek videos. I was watching Paul's Halloween Horror Night merchandise, and uh, I gotta say, I'm jealous of some of Paul's merchandise because uh, that uh, Universal Studios Monsters Cup. Oh yeah, is, that's pretty uh, slick. Yeah, that's pretty pretty hot. Well, and also for those listening, subscribe to IOM Geek, not IMO Geek. I yeah, not IOM Geek. I, I was going to make that correction as well. Yeah. IOM. You go right? to IMO Geek. I, that that kind of feels like a corporate thing. Yeah. Yeah. Implementation Management Office. I was thinking, <laughs> in my opinion, I was also thinking I should go grab that right now. And for uh, people that typo tried to find Paul. Yeah. <laughs> you just get Wayne. <laughs> but I will start every video with. Peeps. <laughs> or followed immediately about how much his feet hurt. <laughs> it's just oh. like the best of all ones. <laughs> I was I was actually just talking to someone on Tuesday who just got back from Gen Con and you know, we were talking about someone a mutual friend who was first time going and they're like, you know, they 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 knew there was gonna be walking, but they didn't realize it was gonna be gin level walking. I'm like, that reminds me of Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I my uh, Google Photos reminded me this morning that 13 years ago I was standing in line at Gen Con. I've Crazy. never been. I've, I've never, never been. been to Gen Con either. Is Gen Con where your feet were hurting, Wayne? I thought that yeah. was a different one. Oh, no, that was Gen Con. Okay. It's just too big. It's kind of like going to thinking about going to San Diego Comic Con. It just seems too big for They're me. They're very I, intimidating. I was talking to someone that went there this year, and he, he was saying it was more people than last year, but not nearly what it used to be up to. It was only 60 or 75,000 people. Right. And I'm right. like, the year I went, there were 40,000. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> so, and yeah. I thought there were too many people that year. What What I love about it is, you know, back in the day, you know, D&D and role player role playing game people were not welcome anywhere. You know, we were we were all sort sort of seen as as weird and outsiders. And you go to Indianapolis and for that, what, four day period. Everybody loves you. Why? Because geek dollars spend and they just rain down on Indianapolis. I just think I think it's wonderful. It, it is so cool. That is, is the only time I wanted to go was back when I was doing Living Greyhawk back in the uh -huh. 90s. And it wasn't nearly as big at that point. Uh, right. But at, at that point, I didn't have the time or money to go. So, yeah. Yeah. It, it, well, and Gen Con is not a cheap endeavor. I mean, the, the hotels themselves are just crazy expensive uh you know the, to find a a hotel that is you know affordable you got to go way outside of town which means you've got to drive into town to to do the show and you know the half the fun is being on site 24 7 you know or 24 right. or i should say yeah but you know, I when I went, I shared a room with God, probably seven other people, and you know, <laughs> really the sleep was was almost non-existent. I have never <laughs> been so tired in all my life when I flew. Uh, it was it was exhausting, and I, I shared a bed with Luke Meyer. 
Ooh. And, uh, and let me tell you how uh, he chomps in his sleep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, literally, I thought there was a zombie in bed with him. <laughs> yeah, there were about six other people in the room that I stayed in when I went, and uh, I'll never do that again. Well, ne- next time I'll have my own room if I ever go I, again. You know, I I made friendships there that you know have continued on to this day, and and one of them is Rich McKee, who's a, who's a a little bitty guy, and he was sleeping on the floor. And I mean, literally, I thought I was going to to kill him. I mean, I thought that that I was, you know, as I'm you know, stumbling, staggering to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I thought for sure I was going to crush the <laughs> life from his bones because he was like laying cattywampus uh, in front of the uh, bathroom door. I was like, Rich, you've got to move. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what the sad thing is about that? This is the sad story of being a geek. Right. When these conventions, you know, like you go to these conventions and you have to share rooms or whatever, you know, in your 20s and early 30s, you're you're sharing rooms and stuff because it's cheaper. And it's the only way you can afford it. It's the only way you can afford it. And then by the time you can afford your own hotel room and to do it right and VIP Uh passes, you don't like crowds. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, you know, that's one of the reasons I like Adepticon, which is more like uh, old school Gen Con, but for tabletop wargaming. And, uh, you know, it's a good sized. It's not crushingly big. They've got a huge space. There's no lines any. Well, there's very few lines. Um, And, you know, it's uh, relatively affordable. uh, Well, that's why I like that's why I like Mancon 12 guys. I love Mancon. You know, whatever happened to the organizer? Who knows? See, why I like Fear the Cod is it's close and I can just stay in my own bed. There you go. Yeah, I heard maybe that organizer died. Yeah. Yeah, Mancon organizer. I think think he might have died during the pandemic. Did we even make it to a third annual or did we just have two of those? No, we had, I thought we had three or four. There were three. three. I said, I don't know how many there were. I know I was at two. Aaron, how many did you organize? I think four. I think, it was I think four. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Well, you know. Well, well we had the secret ManCon that we didn't invite you. Oh, it was that. the, that's right. We, we, in fact, that was it was ManCon for Paul Free Zone. That was because Andrew wanted the big bedroom that year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I got my own bedroom the first year, and then I started, uh, you know, then then Alex started coming. Uh, and so, obviously, it's natural that we would share. So then after that, I got moved into bunk beds. Yeah, well, and then, you st- you know, that was when you started rolling in late because you were working during the day or something. That only happened once, but yes, I, yeah. we got there at, like, almost midnight once uh, because of work. Uh, that was, I think, Alex's first year going down. And then I think you had to work on a game. I did. Yeah. I, I stayed. Yeah. Uh, well, I I both uh, started cooking because I didn't. I knew I was going to be so tired. Uh, I wasn't going to want to cook the next day. So I went ahead and started cooking my chili uh, for lunch the next day for everybody, and then worked on um oh that far track game. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a good yeah. game. I enjoyed that. That, uh, that someone else had, was going to run and then ha- hadn't been able to, and so I I said, oh, I'll run that one as well because it was the first thing in the morning. It was the first game of the morning, uh, so I had to have it ready. You know, I wonder if anyone listening to this podcast knows what the hell we're talking about. If you don't, you want to go to our actual play section of yeah. IMP and look for the podcast uh, labeled ManCon. Yeah, actually, there's um on your favorite podcast uh, provider, Ideology of Madness Actual Play. Or go to iomgeek.com and, and do a search. Like, actually, you don't even need to do a search. It's in the top menu. Uh, you know, it's the all actual there. Place. It's all there. Just, it, just listen to them. If you're looking for, for suggestions, I'd start with the zombie games. The oldest zombie game that's on there, I'd start with that one and work your way forward. So good. So good. Aaron's uh, uh, zombie game uh, is phenomenal. Ooh, and we're going to talk about a zombie comic here shortly. 
Ooh, well, why don't we yeah. just talk about it right now? <laughs> we, I mean, we could, but you know, before we, <laughs> you know, I want to. This, Paul's this, a little we, precious about his outline. I am. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this week I was the only one who read Dark Crisis: Worlds Without a Justice League, Green Lantern, and I feel like that may have been a title change. I think the Superman book may have been called World Without a Justice League, and um, I, I think they just didn't want to spoil. That it was, you know, that the Justice League was on their own individual worlds. Mm. Uh, yeah, it, that just occurred to me. But anyway, so I, I picked up the Green Lantern book. I don't know why. I just thought I'd, I'd, I'd go for it. And, um, you know, the intro page, I'm, I'm going to read the intro page to you. You know, the Justice League has fallen. In an epic battle against the Mad Pariah's Dark Army, Earth's defenders sacrificed themselves to save the multiverse. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, Martian Manhunter, Jon Stewart, Hawkgirl, Zaytana, Green Arrow, and Black Canary are dead. Or are they? Needing power to fuel his deadly machinations, Pariah has imprisoned the essence of each Justice League member on custom-made worlds using his ever-growing dark abilities. Each world has been created from the innermost hopes of the Justice League. What Pariah intends to do with these worlds is a mystery. Welcome to the world without a Justice League. And I just wanted to talk about that because I feel like that's a better explanation of what the hell happened to the Justice League than we have seen in any issue of Dark Crisis or, yeah, no <laughs> or any yeah. tie-in book since. I'm like, oh, so that's what's happening. Yeah. It, it was like, okay, well, I mean, I kind of assumed that, but it makes a lot more sense when it's spelled out a little bit like that because it, it's it's been a little murky in the storytelling. So, I, think Paul, I did sports. I did just double check and the Superman one was plural as well. Oh, it was. Okay. I missed that then. I mean, these books have pretty solid creative teams. I just uh, you know, they're they're throwaway tales. So I'm I'm not going to continue with them, but the Wonder Woman one is written by Tinny Howard. Then there's um uh, a Green Arrow book written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Clayton Henry. The the Batman book is by Simon Spurrier and Ryan Sook. So they've got some pretty some pretty solid creative teams, but yeah. I feel like I'm good after the, the Green Lantern book. I, I've gotten the gist of what each book is going to tell, the story that each book is going to tell. So I think I'm good. Uh, and the Green Lantern book, if you read the Superman book, very much the same vibe. It's here's the ideal Green Lantern universe, um, you know, John Stewart universe, uh, where there is no Justice League. He's the only superhero kind of thing. Uh, and the backup feature is about Hawkgirl. And, you know, I, I don't know that I need five issues of the same story, just with different heroes. Right. No, right. I may pick up the individual heroes if they look good. Like, I, I enjoyed the Superman one. I might take a look at the Batman one. But I don't care for Jon Stewart, so. Yeah. The Superman book was great. I, I really enjoyed that. But the, the Green Lantern book held, held no appeal to me. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good book. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't have anything negative to say about it other than the fact that it's really the same story that I read in the Superman book. Right. Right. You know, the, it, it, it's this ideal universe that they're living in where they're the only hero it's done in one tale you know and it, they're kind of like retired because the superman book kind of had the same story where he's been you know he's retired now and you know living a life with his family and this is very much the same kind of thing yeah the hawk girl book well, was at the hawk girl half of the book was actually really interesting i thought because it kind mm-hmm. of had this tomb raider vibe to it i'm like it i feel like I would read a Hawk Girl book in the vibe of Tomb Raider or Indiana Jones. You know, the art, take that archaeology bent, but with superpowers. Um, and so there was just a little short story about that. And I, that one I actually wanted more of. So that one you'll never see anything else of again. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, there's an advertisement in this week's DC books uh, featuring the Riddler. 
no more riddles, no more clues. Game on. Batman yeah. One Bad Day. The Riddler number one coming, I think, uh, next, next week. week. Yep. Uh, by Tom King and Mitch Jarrods. Um, I have not, you know, I'm, Batman's been hit or miss for me lately. But I got to tell you, the the team of Tom King and Mitch Jarrods has me very interested. The uh, the uh, text on the advert says. The first of eight 64-page prestige format specials starring the Dark Knight's worst enemies in the best stories yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, pretty I'm, exciting. I'm I'm really excited about the books. You know, obviously mm-hmm. there's different creative teams, so um, yeah, for each one, for each one. So we'll see. Yep. But I I I kind of I'm hoping that they're all good because I, I really have an interest in in almost all of them. Yeah, yeah. I will base it on the do I love the character and do I love the creative team? I really like the Riddler, so I'm probably going to pick up the Riddler one to start with. I, well, well the I, I get, Mitch, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say Mitch Jared's artwork is spectacular and he just gets better and better. I just I love what he does. I, I really love what he does, whether it's bourbon labels or, uh, right. you know, comic books. I, I am I am down for some Mitch Jared. Well, and so, you know, the, I think, you know, the one bad day is obviously a reference to the killing joke. And I'm wondering if this is basically them trying to do Killing Joke-esque tales for each of Batman's villains. Right. Um, but I will tell you, you know, they, so the the, the the Riddler one has, they all have great creative teams. But the one I'm most looking forward to is the last one, which doesn't come out till March. But it is Ra's al Ghul by Tom Taylor hmm. and Ivan Reese. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. Uh, nice. Yeah, I am psyched for that one. Yeah. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. I, you know, I, I saw Mitch Jarrods pimping this in social media the other day. I was like, oh yeah, Mitch, I'm there. Yeah. I'm so we, there. We'll, 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 be, we'll be talking about that one next week. But this week, you know, speaking of Tom Taylor, I was excited for the supposed conclusion of the deceased trilogy, deceased mm-hmm. War of the Undead Gods, issue one of eight. You know, they, it says on the front, the final chapter begins. So this is kind of tying back to the very beginning. You know, in the first, like the first few pages of deceased is when mm-hmm. dark side you know uncovered the anti-life equation and kind of this whole thing everything. started yeah yeah thanks a lot dark side you <laughs> fucked it up again <laughs> and so you know this this ties into that and it starts off in a much more hopeful manner than the other deceased books and you know they have discovered a cure I wouldn't say that it starts off in a much more hopeful manner, given what happens to Supergirl. Oh, yeah. Well, after that. part. (laughs) (laughs) After that part, it gets a little hopeful Uh because they've discovered the cure and Superman is cured, which I thought was was great. You know, seeing huzzah robot arm Superman. Mm -hmm. Um, I got to say my favorite scene of the book, the heartbreaking scene was the uh, the Alfred scene. Yeah. Yeah, where, you know, they're bringing back everybody that, you know, got turned into uh, anti-life equation zombies, right? As long as you hadn't been murdered. And, of course, you know, Alfred had killed uh, uh, Batman and Tim, right? And Nightwing. And Nightwing. And, Nightwing. Yeah. and you know, so he, he's like, you know, I killed my sons. And, you know, they, uh, you know, he, of course, didn't know that there would ever be a chance to bring these folks back. And it just... You know, it's heartbreaking to see Alfred, you know, you know, I kill, I, you know, he, he, he killed his, his sons. Yeah. You know, I've also, I've said this before, but I love Damian Wayne in this book. Yeah. He's good. You know, I'm not a fan of the character at all, but this version of him is just so incredible. 
And I love the back and forth scene of, uh, you know, him saying, I could come with you to the sun. Yeah. And the yeah, he's answer, Batman. He'll figure it yeah. out. And the answer on how he'll do everything is, I'm Batman. Yeah. Can, yeah. can we talk just a moment about how terrible the cover is? Oh, yeah. You know, they, uh, because DC's is known for good covers. You know, the, they have like movie yeah. homage covers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Not, this not cover is terrible. Um, and what really bothers me about it is, you know, you've got great big dark side with Superman in, in clutched in his fist. And, and I guess he has squeezed so hard that he has hyper elongated Superman because, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> Either Superman has a massively long torso or uh, he has been squeezed like taffy. Uh, it is just it, it is uh, anatomically incorrect and it bugs the living hell out of me because, you know, it's right there front and center. Yeah, perhaps it's not Superman. Perhaps it's Plastic Man looking like uh, Superman, looking like wearing his his Superman Halloween costume. Yes. Yeah, could be. Could be. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. Or elongated because this guy's all <laughs> elongated, man. Yeah. But, so, you know, the I, the notion of undead new gods uh, is awful. And, you know, we get the book opens up with, you know, instead of super. what And this was a really a fascinating take. And this is one of the things I love about Tom Taylor in this universe. Um, instead of Supergirl being sent to Earth, you know, to look, you know, to shepherd over her younger cousin, uh, Kal-El, she is shipped off to New Genesis so that she can be raised and protected among gods. And, you know, that this will be a paradise for her and she'll be among her peers instead of having godlike powers amongst, you know, normal powered people. And, you know, she arrives and it it is, you know, she's looking around at, you know, this idyllic paradise until she sees all of the new gods zombified coming to her. And she is just taken apart. I mean, it is gruesome and horrible um, it is a terrific, you know, tone setter for the level of horror we can expect in this series. Um, I, I really I, I thought that was great. And I thought it was a great idea. I mean, I think it made sense for for Kara's family to send her somewhere else and not just send her to be a babysitter for Kal-El. Yeah, I love that idea, too, because I didn't re- remember that she wasn't in the first two parts. Mm-hmm. And I love how when he does these alternate reality stories, he could basically take it like it's the current universe and just something different happens. Right. And he always starts it off making you think that. Uh-huh. But then as the story goes on, you get to see more and more minor changes that he's made to the universe. Things like this. And, you know, when I read it, it's like, it makes so much sense. Yeah. You know, sending her there instead and the comments about, you know, basically saying, you know, well, we're going to make a better decision than Jor-El did. Well, and the terrible thing is that later in the book, you know, Scott Free and Bart are like, okay, well, we got to go home where our son is on New Genesis. We'll check y'all later. And you're like, no, Scott, Barta, don't go. <laughs> don't. Yeah, that's not going to end well for them. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, and it, it certainly probably ha- has already not ended well for their son. So. <laughs> I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I, other than the cover, I liked this book a yeah, I am. I am looking forward to the end of this storyline. Um, uh-huh. You know, just like DC versus vampires, I like that there's a, an end in sight. Hopefully, you know, it, it, like it wraps up. They don't need to just keep picking at it until it ruins the storyline and it stayed with the same creative team. So, yeah. seven more issues to go. Yeah. Now, I will. Yeah. Have one final thought for me is I really appreciate. 
besides the big action happening, the small character moments like, you know, Aaron mentioned the uh, Alfred thing. I really enjoyed seeing Paul Kent return. Yes. And the interaction about that. I, I hear you hit me with a shovel. Yeah. 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 I, I liked it. I, I there, There's a lot to like about this book. And, uh, you know, Tom Taylor's an excellent writer. I enjoy almost everything he does. Um, I just, it's a great book. It's a great yeah. book. But guys, I want to know. I want to know about that amazing Spider-Man. Tell me, how was issues? I will say, I really liked the first two pages and the last five pages and everything <laughs> in between I found tiresome and irritating. Oh, no. Also, oh, yes. I'd also like to say, you know, we read that issue 900 and, you know, we kind of talked about it our, our last uh, episode about how it seemed kind of almost kind of out of continuity with the sinister sticks and everything. But they uh, they leaned real heavy into it, even, you know, uh, kind of bringing those those uh, events of that episode kind of into the main storyline by mentioning it both in the first two pages and in the little uh, summary at the beginning. So I thought yeah. that was odd. But what did you guys think? I'm I still... thought the same you did, Andrew. Yeah. I the whole middle was very tiresome. I'm I'm done with this mystery. Just tell us what he did. It's not interesting to me. I just want the answer given. Uh, I thought it. I did kind of like seeing the cameo by Kamala Khan, but I wanted there to be more to that, like a crossover. I'm yeah. sure that's coming, but yeah, it's just like the whole middle. I just did do not care for the interpersonal drama. I hate that there's another new suit coming. <laughs> Well, yeah, you had to expect it. But yeah, it's it's in, in you know, it just seems to be different because it's green it has a little some metal uh, shoulder pads on it. I'm not into it. I, much like you, Wayne, I'm kind of tired of the the mystery and everything else has been so good about this book uh, yeah, a, that anytime they go to this this drama, I'm like, Ugh. a mystery is not content unless you're giving us actual clues and forwarding the mystery. Well, and they're not. And I like mysteries, but but this is just more drama. Like you so said, they're not giving you clues about the mystery. They're just showing all the drama and interpersonal relationship stress that's occurred as a result of whatever he did, which they're not giving us any clues about. You know, for me, I'm very – and I said this with the last issue, but it made it worse, this issue. I'm still very confused as to the core concept of this book. You know, they've advertised this, what did Peter Parker do? But it kind of seems like all of that has been – swept under the rug at this point because everyone was at his birthday party last time except mary jane so now really the only mystery that's outstanding is what happened between peter and mary jane right but and i don't know that guy. i care like that was literally the one thing that i didn't like didn't care about <laughs> well and i i love because the the other side is is the stories they're telling so far are very street level stories right they're yeah. they're you know tombstone rose vulture stories which I love. Um, so I like that part. I just this whole other thing, though, is just aggravate. Now, it didn't bother me so much. That I'm not going to pick up the next issue. Uh, I'm going well, get... to give it one more. I feel I'm like gonna I'm going to give it eight. One more. I'm going to give uh, it eight because I like the vulture stuff. All the stuff, the vulture in this one. I liked. Yeah, yeah I, I will too. give them till the end of the vulture storyline. But if they don't give me an indication that they're going to stop with this stuff, then I'm probably going to drop after vulture. Well, I also feel by issue seven, we should know what the hell is going on. Right. Yes, I mean, for what right. it's worth, like I'd, even, I'd, I'd be a little bit more forgiving if you like you, you planted a seed and there really hasn't been any explanation in seven issues. By now, we should have a little bit of something. Um, and we you know, so for now, I'm I'm cautious. I'm like like the rest of you. I'm, I'm going to continue on with issue eight. I don't know if I, I can't commit to the full vulture storyline. Um, I don't know how long it is. 
but I will definitely give it at least another issue and see how it goes. Well, and I'm very curious. The mystery I'm interested in is who told the Vulture's granddaughter uh, what they told her, because we know, I think I'm pretty confident that wasn't Peter. You know, the the Vulture assumed it's Peter, but I'm betting it's somebody else trying to start some uh, trying to start some trouble. Probably. Or maybe yeah. it was Ben Riley when he was Spider-Man. Could you be. Know, I, 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 that, that was my thinking. Like, oh, maybe it was when Ben Riley was Spider-Man in that Beyond story. I mean, yeah. you read all those issues, Wayne. Did, did you have any uh, notice anything like that? No, not at all. And I want to know where Ben is. Because uh, they, they set Ben up to be the villain going forward again. Yeah. And we've had no follow-up on Ben. I think that's coming in November. I was reading like the the um the dark web storyline with Ben teaming up with uh I don't remember the character's name. It was in the free comic book day issue, but it's coming. There's like a crossover coming that that's coming out of that storyline. But you know, we'll see. I I was curious about it, but it, I, I'm not going to pick it up if I'm off of Spider-Man by then, because it's not like, huh. <laughs> you know, it, it's not like that's going to be indicative of uh, bringing that quality. It's uh, Ben Riley and Madeline Pryor are teaming up. That's what mm. it is for the Dark Web storyline. And it's a crossover between Spider-Man, Venom and the X-Men books, looks like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you had me till X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so we'll see we'll see well it's not it's not on the outline but i, I do ha- i'm reading the uh the axe avengers x-men eternals uh judgment day crossover i've been very curious about it's that it's really good now i'm only re- reading the kieran gillen books mm-hmm. i'm not getting into all of the tie-ins but the you know issue two came out this week and it's fantastic just as it, the first issue was i'm yeah. really enjoying it I am done with any modern X-Men books until they get rid of the whole immortality thing. Well, and what I love about this book is, you know, the Eternals are eternally uh, set against the Deviants, and they have to correct the Deviants when there is excess deviation. And so Druig of the Eternals identifies that mutants are excessive Deviants. And so, you know, the fact that the the mutants have created a resurrection machine, much like the Eternals, they've decided that the X-Men got to go. Mutants got to go. That that is why the Eternals have made war against the X-Men and mutants in all their shapes and forms, which has put the Avengers and the X-Men on the same side by fighting the Eternals. It's a great book. I really enjoy it. I'm curious about that now that you've described the premise of it. Um, well, and it follows, you know, it, uh, Andrew, if you were reading the you know, Thanos uh, arc yeah, in, in Eternals, Eternals, yes, it follows that like immediately. Mm. And it's I mean, it is so perfectly set up. And I'm like, this is fantastic. And now, it's Karen the Gillen. Will, and it's Karen Gillen. And so it's it's voiced correctly because, you know, there is a very particular tone that Kieran Gillen has adopted in the way he tells those eternal stories. And I don't think anybody else could emulate it, to be perfectly honest. I, I think that it is so uniquely Kieran Gillen, um, you know, sort of the whimsical nature in which the world machine tells the story. Uh, and, and that is very much in tune here. Uh, and, and, you know, he's also got such a good feel for the X-Men. Uh, I just I, I dig it. it the, the book is fantastic and it's beautifully drawn. Aaron, you've talked me into spending so much money, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> and it's Marvel, well, so it's available on that Marvel app. Yeah. And we haven't 
did you get around to reading uh, Defenders Beyond? I did, yes. And what did you think? Well, I, I will say, I know it's not on the outline, Paul, but I would say, uh, yeah, I fuck feel... You outline, Paul. <laughs> I love how everyone's like, oh, the outline, it's okay. <laughs> I'll edit all this out. I feel like I only read the first two issues of the last Defender storyline where they were going back through the different uh, cosmoses, right? So I feel like I'm missing out a little bit by not being more familiar with that storyline. Not like so much that it takes away, but I feel like I would have more appreciation for the sure. first Defenders Beyond if I had read that story arc. Um, but I like it. I like Blue Marvel. Uh, I like where they're going. I've always liked the whole idea of the like you know secret defenders with the tarot right. cards choosing them. Uh, so and I, I'm a fan of Tiger since my her West Coast Avengers day. So same. Uh, I, I'm picking up issue two. Uh, I'm intrigued to see where it goes. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good recommendation. Good deal. Good deal. See, like, look, Marvel, I'm out there selling your books. Well, Just and say. Aaron, did, did, what did you think of the recommendation I gave to you this week? Are you so, talking about? I am talking about Predator from Ed Brisson and Kev Walker. Um, I normally don't pick up these movie comics because they're generally bad. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, the creative team was good, and I'm, I, I'm not 100% familiar with that person. I know I've seen his name on comics before, that, I, and I'm sure I've read them. But for me, it, this was 100% Kev Walker that I picked up this book, because I really like his art style. He, you know, he's done a... He was on... What's, what was that? Um, it, Warren Ellis, Thunderbolts. Thunderbolts? Yeah. Yeah, Thunderbolts. Yeah. yeah. Ever since then, I've really, in, you know, been I following lo- I loved Kev Walker. Yeah, me and too. And when Kev Walker went off Thunderbolts, I stopped loving Fault. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, Paul, I think the important thing to note here is that the year is now 2056. Humanity is capable of interstellar travel, though, human, uh, though humans have made advancements in technology. They are still vulnerable prey uh what i find interesting uh-huh i found a couple things interesting about that introduction one it acknowledges the the timeline of each one of the predator movies from predator one through predator the predator right so 1987 uh-huh. 1997 predator 2 2010 which was predators i think right and then yep. you know 2018 which was the predator i also don't know that we're going to achieve interstellar travel by 2056 but yeah that that seems that seems very, uh, you know, very optimistic. <laughs> but, you know, making this Predator universe <laughs> yeah. that we, we have. We just need well, to capture maybe, alien technology and alien ship, and, maybe and then we can reverse Maybe it. that happened yeah. in, you know, 2018-ish. You know, we captured some technology. I don't know. Yeah, which but, I do uh, think was it, part of that that god-awful Predator movie, The Predator. That's the one where they well, captured and that the was Predator, that, right? Yeah. And yeah. that, that was certainly part of the expectation in Predator 2. And, of course, it wasn't successful, but they were hoping to capture alien technology. So, right. you know, we know that there have been government agencies out there, you know, seeking to get some of that sweet, sweet Predator tech. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got to tell you. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you go first. You go first. No, I, I want you. I want I, I, I need you to say it. I will say when 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 Paul gives a recommendation, you know, I, I love Paul. Paul's my friend. Mm-hmm. But there's a little part mm-hmm. of me that's always like, hmm. Well, generally, I recommend a book before I've read it. I'm like, hey, who's, <laughs> who's reading blah, blah? It's not a recommendation so much as who's reading blah, blah, blah with me. It's a suicide pact. <laughs> but, but I'll say the book and then ask. <laughs> That's a recommendation. But, but I'll say oh, I saw Kev thing. Walker as the author. I picked it up and, and I got to say it was a great book. I really liked it. Well, you know, here's the thing is, you know, Paul's like, am I the only one reading Predator? <laughs> and, I, and he said it just like that, by the I way. Did. And I, I, I mean, that is a spot on Paul impression. <laughs> um, you know, he, 
And I said, I said, well, have you read it yet? Is it any good? And then Paul comes back with a rather lukewarm endor- endorsement, like, well, yes. fine, I'll read it, you know. Okay. I, and I, I think it was probably good that he gave it a lukewarm endorsement because uh, I loved this book. This book, the the Kev Walker art, artwork just sings, but the story does as well. Yep. The the story of this little girl Theta who is, you know, out there on a, you know, interplanetary survey mission with her family and other members of a uh, of a starship crew and then the predator just takes everybody apart and she only survives because her mother is able to give an order to the ship's AI, Sandy, <laughs> to uh to protect her daughter and, you know, her daughter grows up alone on this ship with the ship as her only friend and is out hunting the pre- the specific predator who killed her family and friends. And I, I just, this book is so well done. It is so captivating. I am immediately drawn in. And like Paul, I generally don't buy these, you know, uh, licensed property tie-in comics because, you know, generally speaking, you know, it's a little bit like, you know, having a have eaten eating a ding dong. You know, you you like it when you're doing it, and then you hate yourself afterwards. Um, that's this is not the case here. This was very very satisfying in terms of storytelling, and I like that they're mining out um, a clear space for this book. Yeah, and with the Kev Walker art, I got to say, like I I often read my books in in guided view, but on this one, you really have to step out of it to kind of look at yeah. like the, how he arranges the panels and has you know artwork interspaced with panels kind of breaking up the middle of the page and. It, you know, it's not a very non-traditional kind of layout, and it's it's gorgeous. Uh-huh. I love it. And he does he does a great job of drawing the technology. A lot of people, well, a lot of yeah. artists, will struggle with the tech and the right. ships, uh, and he does a great job. And it does, and the ship seems very in keeping with the 20th Century Fox Predator Alien uh, starship design. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, yes. it, it's very much in universe the way that's done. And one of the things that I really liked is how thoughtful he was in the design of the aliens that we meet. You know, Theta kills, you know, the, the first predator that she fights in the book. And as she, you know, she's like trying to communicate to these aliens like, hey, I did you a favor. I took this guy out who's been savaging you for months. And, you know, <laughs> these aliens immediately look friendly. They look they look, you know, almost like an E.T. And then, you know, things go, go you know, tits up. And, you know, things go bad. And I love how fierce these guys become. I yeah. love the design of their mouths. I love the design of their heads. There's everything about these guys I like. I'm like, I really love this design. And these are probably characters we're never going to see again. Correct. But I loved I loved how thoughtful the design. Yeah. As she was standing there talking to them in her scavenged predator armor. <laughs> uh-huh. With, <laughs> with, you know, the predator helmet hanging yep. off of her belt. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But no, well, and really, I thought that Andrew, you would really like the design of her armor. I was like, that's yes. kind of Warhammer esque. It's very cool. And uh, the the author whose name I'm trying to remember, uh, Ed, Ed, Ed Brisson. Yeah, he does a great job of uh, getting, you know, making Theta a relatable character, giving her a motivation that that you can relate to, and making yeah. her really um, uh, seem like a real person. Um, and you know. And Kev Walker carries that through, carries that character design through visually when you see how scarred she is, mm-hmm. how damaged she is from the life she's led. Uh, I I think it's just just a, a really well done book it is a nice pairing of, you know, author and artist. I, I can't wait for issue two. Yeah. So, Same. Paul, 
Thank you. Thank you for the recommendation, Paul. Still have you still have not redeemed your choice of Spaceman all from all those many years ago? <laughs> from ten uh, years ago. <laughs> but I am continuing I'm continuing the tally. Okay. Okay. We're getting there. <laughs> hey Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, we already mentioned the big new release next week, which is Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler, uh, from Tom King and Mitch Jarrods. There's also uh, from Marvel Comics we get the final issue of Strange. Uh, you know, the 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 Jed McKay, Lee Garbett, um, Clea Strange book. Um, so, you know, this, this is the, the conclusion of that storyline. It's not the conclusion of the series, or is it the conclusion of the series? Well, I don't think they've announced what comes next, but yeah, it's the conclusion of that series. Mm-hmm. Like, it was it was always one I, of five. Can I just say I'm really enjoying Clea as the Sorcerer Supreme? Oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. She is I, I, the number one. The the writing and the art on that book is phenomenal. I love the way they are, you know, depicting her character. I remember back in the day when Clea just seemed like a great big nothing. You know, yeah. back when she yeah. back when she was Stephen Strange's apprentice back in she the seventies and eighties. She just followed him around her puppy dog eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it's it's you know there there has been this transformation of her over the years i mean this isn't didn't just happen but you know there's been this great transformation of this character and i love how she stepped into these shoes uh, and made it so her own she's not just the person sitting at his desk she is she is the sorcerer supreme and i yeah. dig it i'm here for it Agreed. I have really enjoyed the series, and I'm hoping yeah. that it ends in a way that still has her as a, you know, a key player in the Marvel yeah. universe. Um, also for Marvel Comics, we get the new Ultraman series, Mystery of the Ultra Seven. I don't think I ever finished reading the last one. I did not either. I got kind of bored with uh, a lot of the back matter in that series, yeah. in that book. Um, I, I, and which is weird because at first, I the back matter was what had me coming back, and then it just I don't know. It just felt like it lost its way or I lost my way. Somehow the way was lost and uh, I just I didn't come back to it. Yeah. Well, and also next week, Image gave us a preview copy uh, of Pulp, the process edition. Mm. Now, we had talked about Pulp. It's the graphic novel from Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips when it first came out. And since then, I mean, it's won multiple awards that's gone a great to press book. multiple times it is just a, a fantastic book yeah. and so they they came up with this idea of putting together the process edition which shows the script next to the pages the breakdowns and pencils it's kind of watching it go all through the creative process while also telling the story um you know i i gave a gander at the uh the preview edition it is a beautifully done um you know rendition of the book and so if you haven't read pulp it's it's certainly worth picking up, and it's also an interesting insight into how Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. I mean, these guys are just you know always they always sing when they get together, yeah. and it's interesting to see how they work together. It's two guys at the top of their craft, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips together uh, are are really sort of you know just masters, and they they really have been able to write their own ticket. Uh, in 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 the books that they do, I mean, no, they they get to determine what they do, you know, and that's that's sort of the miracle of being over image. It's also the miracle of being a best selling you know comic book writer and off and uh, uh, artist. These yeah. guys are fantastic. Agreed. So all that and more next week. 
Well, hey, we want to know what you thought about this week's books. Give us a call, 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. If we use your voicemail on the show, you could win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on social media, Geek on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. What a deal. Well, uh, I've, I've got to dash out, Paul, because uh, my Batwing, my DC Superpowers <laughs> Batwing is going to be available for me to pick up at 11 a.m. So OK, go, 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 go. And, and, and I'm still waiting for my Batman and my dark side to arrive. But I do have my Supermobile and my Superman. So all oh. uh, pretty excited about all of this. And if you'd want to know what we're talking about, McFarland Toys has a new line of superpowers-themed action figures and vehicles out now. Check out your local Walmart or Walmart.com. I am just going to sit in the middle of my floor playing with my toys all day. (laughs) With your super movie. That is is not a dick, you (laughs) But it also is. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye. Have a good week. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit MarkAndrewPope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.